21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. I would say to the listeners that are listening, if you feel like you're the only one in your situation, you're not. It particular, particularly with entrepreneurs, we're so ambitious, but then we're also so self-critical because we know how much potential we have. We know that we're the ones that can change the world, but then we act like, how could I have made that mistake? How could I have been so dumb as to miss that easy thing? I could tell you so many mistakes I've made that have cost me five, six figures, maybe seven and missed opportunities. Don't ever think that you're the only one. I would encourage you read read biographies because I love, I've read, you know, Jobs, Isaacson, Dell, Musk. I've read all, every single one of them. A couple things you'll see. Number one, they've made mistakes that cost them millions. Listen to Buffett and he'll talk about how he missed billions of dollars because he tried to negotiate too hard with Walmart in its early earlier days. So don't uh, don't think that you're the only one. And I would say with, I don't know if I can cuss, but with no bullshit, call me. I, I'll be there, man. I I know how much it hurts. I know how alone you feel like nobody else can understand. If you want, call me. Reach out through the website. Say, hey, I need a half hour. No judgment. I will talk to anybody. Don't try to sell me shit. <laughs> if you try to sell me, I hang up. But if you just need somebody to understand, there's so many people out there. The other thing I would give up is this idea of being well-rounded. Being well-rounded is a load of crap. Nobody is well-rounded. And the people who try suck at everything. That's how well-rounded they are. You can be really good at maybe two or three things. You figure that out hire the people for the stuff that you're bad at. You can increase your strengths by miles. But your weaknesses by inches. So don't try to be well-rounded. I have given up on so many things that I used to tell myself, I'm gonna hire a coach to do this. I'm gonna learn how to do this. I just hired people and I trust them to do the job. I even I stopped trying to be a nice, a uh, 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 polished guy. Polished is a nicer word for it because that's just not me. Instead, I hired people that can either translate or they just know what I mean and they're used to me. So, so stop, stop trying to be everything to all people. Figure out what you're great at, find your superpower and don't let anybody tell you otherwise.
Could you explain how remote employees can make a positive impact on your business and what are some popular positions? Remote employees can have an absolutely transformative effect on your business. Like anything, it takes time, it takes work, it's not a panacea that's going to miraculously fix everything. But depending on the size of your business, it can have a number of impacts. The most common one that people think about is cost. Going outside of the country, you can save between 40 to 60% while hiring equal or better. Um, and so that's that's great. As strange as it is, though, we at Gordian don't consider ourselves a cost-saving company. That's not our primary goal. Our primary goal is to provide superior staffing. The fact that they're cheaper is just a side benefit. So cost is number one. Another benefit is redundancy. So a lot of companies, they're concentrated in one location, whereas if you're in, for example, in Texas a couple of years back when they had the winter storms, or if you're in an area that's plagued by natural disasters and you have all of your people on one infrastructure, mm -hmm. you can be down completely. Whereas if you have people, some in Mexico, some in the U.S., spread out in multiple regions, you can be confident that somebody will be up and running. There's also the diversity of opinions that comes from it. You would be amazed how sometimes an outside perspective can give you good ideas and make you look at things a new way. Um, another way, another effect that we see from people over time is working with remote staff forces them to become more organized mm -hmm. because most businesses that I talk to, they go off of what I call an apprenticeship model. Follow me as I do my job, ask questions, and we'll, you know, you'll learn that way. But with a remote employee, you can't do that as well. You have to have direct scripts and checklists and mm. things that you go through training videos. So not only will you become more organized, you'll become more standardized. If your company is a larger company, you may find that each division does things its, its own way. But by bringing on remote staff with specific training, you can ensure that everybody's on the same page and doing it the same way. So when you say organized and standardized, what about you? You are in the business for a long time and you are deeply immersed into that realm, into that context. It must influence on in a good way to your business as well. We are absolutely much more organized than we were 10 years ago. I, I personally, I don't know that I'm the most organized person. I'm probably, I'm a lot more than I was before, but part of what happened is I brought in organized people to help me because that's not my strong suit. But that that's that's the point is companies that have always been able to coast, they can they will be forced to adapt and evolve. As a business grows through certain levels, the skills that got you to this level will not get you to the next level. So when you're first getting out, it's all sales, 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 because you just need revenue. Then you need customer service, you need fulfillment, you need a product. Okay, that's great. Well, when you get to a certain point, then you need organization, you need administration, you need follow-up, you need quality check, you need KPI. And most people, they plateau at one of these levels and they bring on clients and they lose clients, they bring on clients and they don't understand why they did so great for the first couple of years and then they stalled. 
it's because they don't have the next level of skills or they're still playing the same game that got them to this level. Whereas with remote staff, you keep moving up because they'll help you adapt to the next level. When you say adapt and evolve, what is the best moment for a company to start with remote? That's, is it the startup phase or, or you need to? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Most of the time, I do not recommend hiring a remote employee when you have less than three employees. It can be very difficult for it to be your first employee. I won't say never. It depends. Some people that are uh, in e-commerce, they're you know something like that. There are definitely times it can work, but most of the time there is a critical mass that you need before you hire that person. And in fact, the bigger the company, the better the odds of success with remote staffing. Most of the small companies we work with, and I and I have a passion for small business because it's such a lonely job, and it is such an unappreciated job in today's uh, cultural zeitgeist. The the business owners are the bad guys, and I, I absolutely do not agree with that. And I my mission is to make it less lonely. But so many of the small businesses that we work with, all they know is they need help. They don't understand, I need somebody to answer phones 40% and do accounting 20% and do sales. For they just need help. And so they think that by hiring somebody, it'll magically get better. And they kind of need to get out of that adolescent phase before they can bring on remote staff. I won't say always, but statistically. Most people who hire, they think that the person is going to show up day one and that it's immediately going to get better. And they fail to realize that when you add an employee, they're going to cost you time. Whether that's remote, domestic, next door or across the world, employees cost you time before you get them trained up. So you have to be prepared with a good educational training system. You have to be prepared with supervision. If there was one complaint that we get from employees more than any other, it's, I haven't heard from anybody in a week. Because they're out of sight, out of mind. You're hiring people because you're busy and you're so busy you don't have time to fill up. And that's why it's so important to prepare. So one of the ways that Gordian helps our clients is we check in with both the employee and the client on a regular basis for the first three months to see how things are going. We'll send surveys to the employee and say, does the job meet with what you were told in the interviews? Uh, here's a weird one. Do you know who your supervisor is? As, as a weird of a question as that is, you would be amazed how often they come back and say, I, I don't know who I'm supposed to ask. So we check in regularly and then we pass that information along with clients. And then when the clients tell us something, oh, so-and-so is great, but she's kind of struggling with this, we'll find a tactful way to say, hey, I found this great podcast that you might like, or I found a YouTube channel that might help you with organizational, you know, whatever it is you're struggling with. So we provide that back channel between them. 
And that's one of the key differentiators because you can, just like clients, if you're bringing them in the front door and losing through the back door, it, it doesn't work. And that's why one of Gordian's key philosophies is it's better to pay people more and keep them for the long term. Our retention rate year over year is well over 90%. And the reason is we pay our people above market average. Not only salary, they get full health insurance, they get restaurant and food tickets, they get uh, one month's pay for Aguinaldo, which is a, a Christmas bonus. Because if you look at the economics, the training time, the mistakes, the, the uncertainty, the clients you lose, it costs so much more to turn over somebody every six months than pay 15% more and keep them for five years. It is night and day difference. Clients come to us and they usually have an idea of that they, they know they need help, but they're not always clear on exactly how. So one of the first things we do with them is we sit them down directly with the recruiting supervisor who's going to be talking to the candidates and we make them dial in and say, so what does a day look like? What are they going to be doing on a day by day basis? Well, I, I need help. Oh, okay, great. So they come into the they come in at nine o'clock. What's the first thing they do? Okay, they, they're on phones until lunch. Great. What happens then? Okay, three days a week, they're going to be doing AR report. Okay, great. And we dive and we make them build a job description. We make them build expectations here. And we ask them, how will this person know if they've done a good job? And that's a key one right there, because most of the mm -hmm. time we think it's osmosis or ESP. And well, I haven't yelled at them, so they know they're doing good. No. So we make them say, okay, so well, if missed call percentage is under 3%, if delinquencies fall below 10%, you know, we make them put objective criteria. That's how this person knows they're succeeding. Because feedback is absolutely vital, especially with remote employees. Because right now there's no, there's very little body language. I, I have to keep my hands up here so I can gesture with them, but you can't see the body language. You there, There's so much information that you miss on a remote call that you don't pick up nearly as much as you would think. And so feedback and just general satisfaction with an employee doesn't get communicated. So we make them go through those metrics and those ideas of what makes this person successful. Because it's not just sitting in a chair for eight hours. It's, I want every call answered within three rings. It's, I want these statements out by the 10th. There have to be objective goals. So we start there. Then we go out and we recruit. We don't have existing employees that we place. We recruit per position. We do two internal interviews and then two sets of skills tests. Some of the skills tests are focused on cognitive abilities, critical thinking, personality, because you can have a great person in a bad position and it won't work out, but you, that doesn't mean they're a bad employee, it just means it's a bad fit. And then we have the typing, Microsoft Office, computer skills, things like that. If they pass all of those, then we present it around to the, uh, to the client, the client interviews them and makes their selection and we make the offer on their behalf. 
So that's how we start it. And then we get into the onboarding and the handoff call, which is a, a separate step of the process. I got into remote staffing personally before hiring for anybody else. I, it saved me. Um, about eight years ago now, I bought a company in California and it was just, it was, it was a bad, uh, it was a bad pick. Uh, the company was, was fine, but I, I got into bed with some bad partners that had some difficulties and it was just, it was just a very unhealthy relationship. And I was doing everything myself. It was a building services company that I, I still own actually. And I was working literally 80 to 90 hours a week. I would leave my house at five in the morning. I would get home at eight or nine at night, Monday through Friday, full day, Saturday, full day, Sunday. I was doing everything myself. It was, it was not just busy. It was, it was affecting me as a person. I was, I was yelling. I was angry. I was hitting the walls. I was a bad father. It was, it took a, a, a strain on me personally, not just professionally. And I tried hiring. I finally got my partners out and took on a mountain of debt. I was literally paying $70,000 a month in debt at one point just to get them out. And I tried hiring employees. They would leave after two weeks or they just, they didn't know what was doing. And, and some of it was me and lack of training and the very things we help clients with now. But I remember the last domestic admin employee I hired at this company and this person was there for 41 days. And when passed over for, for a promotion, this person decided to file a lawsuit against us because they had worked, they had missed 17 days of work in a three month time. That was all they were there for is three months. Uh, they filed a lawsuit for wage an hour, hostile work, and just you name it, they filed a suit for half a million dollars. And I remember going to mediation and having, you know, I'm going to win this case. I, you know, I've got facts. I can prove none of this happened. And the mediator said to me, look, I'm going to save you a lot of money. You're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on fees, on lawyers' fees, 50-50 chance whether you win or not, because they're the employee, you're the employer. Just settle. And we settled for a little bit less than $100,000 after just three months of horrible work. And it was one of those moments that just changes who you are as a person, not, not, not financial. I mean, although we were drowning financially, but it just, it changed me as a person. And from that moment, a friend of mine said, Hey, I can, you know, I can help you do remote staffing. You should take a look at that. And I, at that point I had nothing to lose. And I hired my first employee who's actually still with me. And it, it wasn't overnight. It, people think like, well, it's been two weeks and nothing's happened. It, it takes time. But what happened was because I was paying so much less than I was at uh, Bay Area prices, I could hire multiple people that I had more bandwidth for training and to improve things and even to just try things like, here's a weird idea. I don't know if it would work, but at you know X dollars an hour, why not? And within a few months, I had a team of people and a supervisor that had just drastically transformed the company. And now seven, eight years later, it's completely passive. It makes great margins. It, and it's just, it's run entirely out of Mexico. We have people domestically and we have domestic staff, but the highest ranking person other than myself and all the bat, it's all run out of Mexico. And from there, every company we've 
leaned towards remote staff. Now, uh, let me hasten to say I have never fired somebody domestic just to save money. That, that's not the business we're in. If we have good employees, we will absolutely keep them. I am not a corporate raider. That's not what we do. But as positions become available, we would ask ourselves, could this be done remotely? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's give it a try. Um, and since then, every single one of my companies, now we have over 400 employees and they're almost entirely in Mexico. And I can say, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say it might've even saved my life because it was such a difficult time that it pulled me out of. What advice would you give uh, any company considering hiring remote employees from specifically Mexico? I would say be very clear on your expectations. Make sure that you know what this person is going to be doing. Make sure you know who's going to be supervising them. Make sure you don't treat them like second-class citizens. One of, There's a term that's very familiar called virtual assistant or a VA, and we do not use that term. But there's nothing wrong with it, but it, it kind of engenders the idea of, uh, of a call center. Uh, and you think of the last time you called your airline, your credit card company, and you got the difficult rep who just read from the script and it was just a frustrating experience. And a lot of people, they look at these as like, oh, well, these are my employees and these are just the outsourced people. And that's not how it works. We help you expand your team. They work from home. They just live a little farther away. So make sure you include them, make sure you treat them like one of the team, make sure that they're just as valued. They should go to staff meetings, they should be trained, they should have advancement opportunities. Most people don't realize you hire somebody today for a customer service rep, that could be your office manager in two years, mm -hmm. that could be your VP in four years. Mm -hmm. they, they're just as valuable and intelligent as a domestic employee. Um, and then I would say, don't hesitate to go down there, go down there as often as you can. I actually leave uh, Monday to go down to another trip to our Guadalajara office. Mm -hmm. And I will say remote staffing is great, but if you go down there and spend some time with them and have a meal with them, you'll see a new level of connectivity. And when you say work from home, how has the pandemic changed your business model? Because number one, staffing has become so difficult, domestic staffing, that people are willing to try it. Mm -hmm. Most of our clients do not come to us and say, hey, I want to save money or, hey, I think this is better. It's, I'm desperate. I need anybody. Let's just try this. And then after four or five people, they're like, this is amazing. Let's keep going. So there's that. It also forced companies to go more cloud-based. You know, hard to believe in 2023, but there are still companies holding on to desktops and, and servers and things like that. And COVID forced us to get really mobile and agile really quickly. So it primed the ground for remote staffing. Um, there, There's a saying, there's something I like to, to say a lot that People like to talk about Darwin, um, uh, survival of the fittest. And, you know, we're in a time of great economic uncertainty. And, and let me add, we're not in a unique time. We're in a time of turmoil, a time of change. But, you know, 100 years ago, there was a global pandemic. 100 years ago, there was a Japanese prime minister that was assassinated. 100 years ago, Russian had it, Russia had invaded the Balkan. You know, none of this is unique. So we need to stop thinking that this has never happened and there's nothing we can do. It's just the world changes. But people talk about survival of the fittest. Every time like this is an opportunity for some companies to grow and some to fall. 
Um, I've got a book uh, right here, Good to Great by Jim Collins that I recommend everybody read. And it talks about companies that had that inflection point and grew and then companies that failed. And we'll see a lot of that in the next couple of years. But here's the thing to remember. Survival of the fittest had nothing to do with strength. It was Mm -hmm. adaptability. Mm -hmm. Who can adapt to their environment quickest? And they survive. And in the next 10 years, I think we're going to have an incredible number of businesses adapt and a, an incredible number go extinct. So it's and it's it's just it's a choice. You either adapt to the new environment where I think it was 73 percent of job seekers said that working from home was a key factor in their decision. Not to mention when you have remote staff, whether domestic or international, you have a wider candidate pool. You can get the best and brightest. And you can often save money, not only in salaries, but office space, in um, equipment costs, in uh, the the, the tertiary things like coffee. Do you know how much companies spend on coffee in an annualized basis? No. Uh, A lot. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. And then you look at the productivity lost in commuting and you look at the – the carbon emissions, you look at the cost for gas and for childcare and all of that, it, it just, it is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And 10 years from now, this is going to be the way. It's not going to be an option. It is going to be the way. The way, adaptability. Did you prepare yourself to AI? Uh, I'm going down that rabbit hole and it is taking so much time. I, I, yeah, I was, I just got back from a trip and I was with some other business owners and I showed them chat GPT and the entire dinner was just, write me an article saying this, prepare an email saying this, what are the pros and, and it, yeah, and AI, is also going to be incorporated in that without question. AI, we're going to look back on this the same way we did the microprocessor, the internet, everything. It, it, you know, for good or bad, moral judgments aside, the world is going to change in the next 24 months. And again, companies can either adapt or they can go extinct. Robin, five years, Gordian stuffing in five years. Five years from now, one of the things I've learned is I never plan too definitively because every time I think I know, it changes. So I come up with very broad ideas. Growth, of course, we want to at least triple in the next 12 months. We want to keep doing that on a regular basis. One of the key things we want to improve in the next 12 months is our education and training programs. A lot of our clients, they're not set up. They have difficulty with training. So one of the things we've designed is we can embed an existing employee from our internal team into your company for a few weeks. They learn your systems. They create the processes. And then when you're ready to hire five or six people, that person will be the trainer. So you get a finished product, whether that's a client services team or an accounting department. Um, so that's one of the key focuses. Absolutely AI. Being in staffing doesn't mean that I'm against AI. It, it's the natural evolution. So we'll be looking at how we can incorporate that. 
we're all about improving productivity and increasing output of your employees. So if, if there are ways to do that, we will absolutely be at the forefront of that. Um, we want to look at new industries. We're pushing hard into new industries like insurance. We're very strong in accounting and real estate already. Um, but we want to grow those things. We even we've purchased recently an account, small accounting company in Texas for the purpose of training employees before they start so that you can get a finished trained employee on your team from the get go. Um, and then, of course, I plan to buy a good number of companies in the next few years, but I can't tell you where or the price would go up. And what about your business model? I mean, now you have 400 employees. What's the difference between now and a few years ago? We're a lot more specialized than we mm -hmm. were a few years ago, and that's good and bad. I I have some amazing talent on my team. To tell you the truth, it's actually a little intimidating because I've reached the point that pretty much everybody that reports to me is smarter than me in their area. And so it, it, it's it's amazing, but it's also a little intimidating because I just have to trust that they know what they're doing and I have to to take their advice and listen to it while still coaching them and helping them. So that's been a major change. Communication has definitely been difficult. We, like our clients, have had to adapt from one person doing everything to processes and automation and scripts and policies, but that's made us stronger as well. Um, and ultimately, we've gotten much more efficient. Our retention rate has gone up. Our, our um, uh, efficiency has gone up. Our placement time has gone down. Employee satisfaction, client satisfaction has all gone up. So it's been a good few years. So when you say trust, communication, listen to listen to them, what kind of mindset do you think you have now? What 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 was your personal development through all those years of hard time and now you are in much better position but again you have 400 uh, uh, people that that you are communicating with that's a question that I'm still answering day by day because each day we're bringing on new people and there's a new dynamic. I will say that I am doing a lot less. I have moved from one of the instruments to the full-time conductor. My full-time job is organizing and, and instructing and making sure we play harmoniously as you have different departments that have different ideas. Um, I've certainly become a lot less sure of myself, even as I'm more sure of my company, I've realized how much more there is to know. There's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect that the more you learn, the less confident you get. And I certainly have understood that. Um, I still have my passion for helping business owners more than ever. In fact, I, I haven't forgotten how lonely and how desperate it was to be in that dark place and to to literally be checking the the mailbox four times a day, just hoping some AR had come in because I had bills due that I had to pay. And if this check hadn't come in, this is going to bounce. It's going to bounce, and it, I, I I have not forgotten that. When you have that level of desperation, that level of hunger, it doesn't leave you. Um, and now I, I look at it as my place to help other people get out of that situation quicker because it was a it was a lonely time for me to get out of it. And looking back, if I could have known just a few things that I know today, 
I, I could have avoided or sped up so much of that. And we want to be that for our clients. If you'd like to hear more, if you'd like to learn more about my story or how we can be a help in writing your story, check out our website, SliceTheGordianKnot.com. Follow us on social media. We regularly post company updates, helpful articles, tips. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Be sure to reach out and learn more. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.